What is going on, everybody? I am Cole Haight. Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. This is my 27th episode. Uh, For all you guys out there that have listened to all 27, thank you so much. Maybe for everybody who's listened to about half of them, thank you so much. Please go back in the feed and check out the ones you missed. Uh, And all the the first-time listeners out there, thank you for joining me. We are, this is the midweek episode. It is Thursday, October 7th. Uh, We're going to go over some breaking news today uh, before we get into our usual injuries and fantasy football. Also got a special segment for you guys at the end of this podcast uh, that I think you guys are going to like. So let's go over a few things that I saw for breaking news uh, between the end of Sunday and Monday night football, uh, basically the end of week four uh, and right now. So uh, if you guys have not heard, Stephon Gilmore, there were rumors that he was going to be released uh, or cut, so to speak, from the New England Patriots. Unfortunately, that did not happen, and he was traded. Uh, good for good for the Panthers, who acquired him. Stephon Gilmore returns to his hometown. I guess technically, uh, the Carolina Panthers are uh, a football team within two states uh, because they technically play out of Charlotte. Yet, if you're from South Carolina, you can definitely be a part of being a hometown Panthers fan. Uh, I have family from Charlotte. Uh, big. There's actually a lot more of a following for the Panthers than you would think uh, based on the media and some other people uh, that talk about uh, whether they're big market, small market teams with a big following or a small following. However, uh, based on going down and spending a decent amount of time in my childhood in Charlotte, uh, there's a huge Panthers following, uh, and I was spending a lot of time down there uh, during the beginning of the Cam Newton era, so it was pretty hyped on down there. So Stephon Gilmore gets traded from the Patriots, uh, who had him on the pup list, so he's not active until I believe week six. Uh, It's either he has to sit out week six or through week six into week seven uh, with the quad injury. Uh, some of the videos he's been posting uh, that I've seen uh, is seeing him working out, doing decent amounts of uh, agility drills. He looks pretty good with the quad. Doesn't look like he's having any issues with it, which is awesome. The thing that I really want to take a look at here is the fact that he was traded for a 2023 sixth-round pick. So it's not even a sixth-round pick in this upcoming draft. Uh, it's a sixth-round pick in the next draft. So, very interesting. Bill Belichick is the GM and head coach of the New England Patriots. Didn't seem like they were going to give him the long-term deal that he either, number one, deserves, uh, and number two, there's not many defenders that end up staying in New England that long um, unless they're buddy-buddy so to speak, with either A, a part of the coaching staff, or B, Bill Belichick himself, since he's basically the acting GM. It's very interesting. So Stephon Gilmore was a top five player, I would say, probably top three player for three years straight. And why did he get traded for only a sixth-round pick? Very interesting. That doesn't really make any sense. Like, For instance, name corners right now 100% healthy that are better than Stephon Gilmore you may have two may and he's a little bit better of a cover corner than Jalen Ramsey in my opinion Um, and Xavier Howard has good stats uh, but he does get beat on double moves so I just don't understand why he was traded for like 
any team, like the cap hit would have been what three million unless you restructure his contract or give him a new one. A three million dollar cap hit for a top three corner. There's amazing players out there right now. Sorry. There's not that many amazing players out there right now at corner that are available, and there's teams that really need them, like the Green Bay Packers, because they just lost Jair Alexander, which we're going to get to in the injury segment. You got San Francisco, who has a great defense but cannot cover in the secondary. You've got the Tampa Bay Bucks, who Carlton Davis is the only solid player in their defensive backfield because a lot of they're dealing with a lot of injuries. But they're giving up the most pass yards. And then you've got the Kansas City Chiefs, back to the Bucks, the Bucks and the Chiefs, both Super Bowl contending teams that need help in the defensive backfield, could have given up a fifth, a, theoretically, a fifth round pick in the same year just to get Stephon Gilmore and pay them. I, maybe the cap space didn't work, but Tampa Bay's pulled some Houdini stuff going into this season with in terms of cap space, how to make it work. They've got geniuses over there trying to figure out how to bring bring back all 22 starters on offense and defense. That's amazing, especially with the big names that they have over there in Tampa Bay. But this is huge news. Now, the Panthers are dealing with a little bit of in, They have a solid cornerback slash defensive back crew right now. Stephon Gilmore, if he's good to go either – Next week or the following week, that defense is going to be even better than it looks right now. And there, I made a comment in the last podcast. We talked about the recap, how the Panthers look moving forward. I, I'd like them challenging the Bucks in that division. Now with Stephon Gilmore, I'd like them even more now. They're dealing with some injuries on offense. We really don't know if Sam Darnold is going to keep this up the entire season. But Stephon Gilmore going to the Panthers is real, and he, I know he wanted to go home in this process. I I know that there were uh, teams that he would not go to, and teams that he would go to, and he I don't think that he would go from New England, a very cold location, to Green Bay, another very cold location. But he could have went to the Vikings. We play indoors. Just a little jab, just a little NFC North jab. I had to get in there, but. So, Stephon Gilmore to the Panthers. We'll see when he's activated. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that um, and update you guys and to see what's going on, uh, whether he's going to play next week, whether he's going to play the following week. If there's any setbacks, I'll keep you guys updated on that. But I don't really – I'd like it. I like the Panthers' pickup here. I love giving up this pick uh, because there is no possible way, unless he has a season-ending injury between now and when he plays or a, a career-ending injury – where you drafting a six-round pick is better than Stephon Gilmore. Does I don't see it happening. Or it's a shot in the dark. So, um, Just want to go over a few things, um, a few cut, surprising cuts uh, that we saw. So Anthony Miller from the Houston Texans got cut. Houston picked, that, picked him up because he wasn't really getting along with people in Chicago. Came from Chicago, Anthony Miller, speedster, uh, can play the slot, played a little bit outside. They're dealing with a Houston's dealing with a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position right now. And for them to give up and cut Anthony Miller, one of two things is happening. Number one, he wanted a contract and they won't give it to him, which I don't think happened. Number two, he pissed a lot of people off in that locker room or on that coaching staff or even possibly upper management. 
but that they've had injuries, injuries, and more injuries. All they have left is basically Brandon Cooks. I think Chris Conley still plays seventy five percent of the snaps, but what we haven't seen much from Chris Conley in years, honestly, since he's been on the Kansas City Chiefs, where his value was inflated by Patrick Mahomes. No. That was before. So Alex Smith basically got him on the map with the one year. He was the third. He was a third receiver for the Chiefs, which in years in years past, it seems as though the Chiefs have always had a one-two combo, whether it be Travis Kelsey and someone else or two wide receivers. The third wide receiver gets single coverage and usually a worse corner. And now we can get into this later on. We are definitely going to talk about this uh, going into our picks uh, picks episode, either coming out tomorrow night, Friday night, or Saturday night uh, for week five. But Josh Gordon for them is stepping into that role, and that is the receiver that you really want to be in that role, um, assuming that he can behave in the NFL since he's probably been He's probably been suspended from the NFL without pay um, for at least four times uh, via marijuana, drug use, whatever the situation is. It hasn't really come out, and if it has, I haven't read it, uh, as to what he's doing every time that he's doing this. Um, But Josh Gordon's an amazing player. He's an amazing player. And to be on the best offense in the NFL – straight fire. The, the the Chiefs offense is going to be five times better with the O-line they have, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire proving that he can run the ball behind that line, and Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Josh Gordon, and Travis Kelsey. Oh, my Lanta. They're going to start averaging 50 points a game. If you guys remember back in the day, uh, not back in the day, I guess it was a year ago or maybe two years ago, it was uh, Jared Goff on the Rams against the Chiefs, fifty-four to fifty-one. That's what their teams. That's what their games are going to look like against solid offenses because their defense is still not very good. Uh, and then Jalen Smith uh, for the Dallas Cowboys gets cut and immediately, basically immediately, gets signed by the Green Bay Packers to play middle linebacker. What? Dallas owed him like $16 million, million over two years. I think it was like something like, don't quote me, but I think it was like 9.8 this year and 7.2 next year. Um, some of it cash, some of it not cash. I think the cash was for this year and next year there could be an exemption. It was, it's a lot of, it's a lot of mumbo jumbo in between the, in between the contract and between the lines. But Jalen Smith was a very high pick. He was a second-round pick for the Dallas Cowboys. And ever since they signed Micah Parsons, there's been just leaks of anything but... You use the term highlight to show good plays in games. Let's use the word low light to describe how Jalen Smith has looked at the beginning of this season. It has not looked good. He looks like he he he, he looks like he's five steps behind. Like um, if you guys are familiar with uh, playing any shooting first person shooter game on Xbox, that's similar to what it is. If your sensitivity is on low and everybody else's is on high, where you can move your gun faster, walk, you might be able to walk faster. You can see stuff quicker. It just seems like he's in slow motion. Now, granted, hasn't showed nothing that I've seen on the internet will show any good plays because everybody's focusing in the media on all the bad plays. But to give him up and just cut him and not even try and trade him to get anything back, 
once again, what happened? If I was a Cowboys fan, that's what I would be asking. What happened with Jalen Smith? He changed his number, then all of a sudden he stinks? Like, I I don't know. Like, I saw film on him last year. He had bad plays, but he had good plays as well. You took Micah Parsons. That as, you're, as a Cowboys, as somebody who works for the Cowboys, whether it be upper management, coaching staff, what have you, you took Micah Parsons out of the middle linebacker role and you put him at the end. Why couldn't you do that with Jalen Jalen Smith? Same exact player uh, with Jalen Smith being a little bit bigger and a little bit slower, which is your typical DN compared to a linebacker. Your DN's going to be bigger than your linebacker and your DN's going to be a little bit slower. I, I'm just confused. I'm I'm really confused. Last thing we want to talk about with the with with the news. Listen, this Urban Meyer bar video. This thing is oh my lanta. This thing is crazy going on right now. So so if you guys haven't seen or heard anything because you've been under a rock, I don't what you just didn't see it. What have you? I'll give you the short story. So Urban Meyer, after the Thursday night game, I think it was the Thursday night game against Cincinnati, did not fly home with the team. He's from Ohio. He has a bar in Ohio. Stopped at the bar. There's video of him sitting on a bar stool with some chick, some girl. I don't know who she is. Um, they I they posted her name. She she goes to I think she's a college girl. I'm not positive on who she is, what she is, um, in terms of if she knows him or what have you. He's at this bar. She's like dancing on him when he's sitting on a stool. His hand is in a promiscuous spot. It's just weird. There's so many things I want to ask. We're gonna keep this short and sweet. Why are you not flying home with your fo- your football team as the head coach of the team? Why are you not flying back home with your team? Number one. Number two, where is your wife at? Which we have the answer. She was at home babysitting the grandkids while this is happening. And it's his bar. Like, it, it's his bar. He owns it. Or he his, his name is associated with it. I didn't dig too far into it, but... I, I'm trying to piece this together. I, I just don't understand. So after this happened, it all got out, and he addressed the media, addressed the team. He doesn't look confident in what he's doing. He doesn't look like he wants to be there, and he looks ashamed, as he should be. This is the question, and I heard it. I heard the question, and then I thought about it because I kind of related it. What if it goes differently on that Thursday night football game? What if they win that game and they're going to fly home and everybody's looking for where the coach is for the winning team? Does he still do it if they win the game? Or does he not do it now that they won the game? Did he do it because they lost? That he didn't want to fly back with them and he wanted to stop at his his bar? This is the kind of stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. Urban Meyer's a great college coach. He has no NFL experience, and he had no idea what he was biting into. This guy, he had no idea what he was biting into when he was doing this. Not a clue. I mean, to be fair, the Jaguars were already a piss-poor team when he inherited it. They didn't really have much to build off of. Uh, Some of the picks that he made uh, via Travis Etienne, uh, some of the... 
some of the players that he's lost via the trade uh, that were big name players, CJ Henderson. It, it it doesn't look it, they're just not a good team right now, and he's not he wasn't put into a, a place to succeed right away, but he doesn't even look like he's there's there's reports coming out of of him meeting with different uh, player groups uh, via the wide receiver group, the offensive line group, the defensive line group, whatever, and he's explaining this to the team and explaining his side of the story. People are laughing. Now, that can go one of two ways. Either they're laughing because they're like, ah, I don't really give a shit. It, it, whatever, man. It, it, stuff happens. Nah, whatever. Or they're like, this guy's a joke. <laughs> what? He's uh, People are saying he lost half the locker room already. Your team stinks. How are you going to coach a team to wins if you don't even have half the locker room on your side that of a team that stinks? You have a, a one in a once-in-a-lifetime draft pick prospect at quarterback right now that's trying to get better and you're doing this to the football team it just it just doesn't make any sense i i want to see what happens because you know the how the nfl works if your team's winning nobody says anything or whatever they were saying stops just like kirk cousins nobody said anything about kirk cousins the first three weeks of the nfl football season until the fourth week, he had a bad game. Now all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins sucks again. In the in the NF, in the eyes of the media, that's the way it works. Ooh, Kirk Cousins looked good through three weeks. Oh, Kirk Cousins sucks after week four. Like, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan. You guys know that. I've said it a million times. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense for what he's doing. I just don't understand where that decision making comes from and I'm sticking with my gut saying that there is no way that Urban Meyer makes it through the rest of the season I think either quits or gets fired before week 17 I'm I'm sticking to that that's the hottest take I'm gonna put on a podcast probably in the next month <laughs> honestly but that's breaking news and after that well, sorry, we're done with that. But let's move on to injuries and then fantasy football. Injuries coincide with the fantasy football, so keep a keep a close eye or get a notebook out and and see what people are going through right now because I've done a lot of dig, a lot of deep digging on some of these injuries this week. Um, so let's start down in Tampa Bay with Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis injured week four, quad strain. He's going to miss multiple weeks via Adam Schefter and the Tampa Bay media. So Carlton Davis was the last good cornerback for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now they have none. This is not good. They're starting to look similar to the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of having a potent offense and nothing going on on defense. Down the one thing that they do have is they're the best run defense in the league, which is good. Now, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do at cornerback if Carlton Davis is missing a month. It could be a week, it could be a month, but he's probably not he's definitely not going to play week 1 and if he does something crazy happen, there's a miracle. But Carlton Davis not going to not going to be there um for this week most likely unless there's a miracle. 
Moving on, Logan Thomas from the Washington football team, the tight end. He's got a hamstring injury. He's week to week. Uh, They just signed um, Sternberger from the Green Bay Packers to play for him. So week to week, if you're going to go out and sign somebody, I would say it's probably going to be more than one week. Uh, With the hamstring, like I said multiple times on these injury episodes, soft tissue injuries are really weird. Sometimes it's uh, three days. Sometimes it's three months. It depends on how you rehab it and how you feel in practice because setbacks are very possible and very probable. So if if you have a setback every two days, you're going to be out until you don't have setbacks. Moving on. David Montgomery, uh, running back from the Chicago Bears, got a knee injury. He's going to miss four weeks plus via Matt Nagy and the Chicago blogs that I've seen. So David Montgomery's not going to be in. Big hit to people who have him in fantasy, including myself, uh, who he's been pretty good for. Uh, for the first four weeks. So he's going to be out a month. They did get Damian Williams in uh, in free agency after last season from the Kansas City Chiefs. Now he's questionable going into this game. So they have a rookie. I know his last name is Herbert. I think it's Kylan Herbert. Kalen Herbert. I can't remember. Uh, he's pretty solid. Uh, so not the fantasy football segment, but if you could pick him up, uh, and and kind of stash him if you got somebody on your team right now in fantasy football that's not performing that you're willing to give up. Stash him because Damian Williams looks like he had an issue after last week. Um, I'm hoping he plays. They say he's probable this week. So if you can get Damian, get Damian to replace uh, David Montgomery, then you can just unload him when Montgomery comes back full time. But a huge hit to the Chicago Bears. Uh, NFC North's got a lot of issues with injuries this week. Uh, and be- basically, they've continued to do that um, through at least after week one. Week one, NFC North, not huge with injuries. After that, it's just been a downfall. Uh, so we'll see how that how that affects the NFC North race uh, with Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago. So it, it'll be it'll be strange. Moving forward. Teddy Bridgewater next on the list from the Broncos. Uh, concussion. He must clear protocol. So far, he has not uh, via Thursday. I've been double-checking every day to see how he's doing. Uh, he has not officially cleared, uh, but I have not heard anything about him having a setback. So uh, if you guys have been watching the Denver Broncos for the past year, year and a half, Drew Locke makes that team tank hard. He throws sketchy passes. Uh, He's basically the opposite quarterback of Teddy Bridgewater. Big arm, throws a lot of picks, is more mobile, whereas Teddy is smaller arm, doesn't take a lot of chances down the field, but is smarter with the football uh, and does not run much anymore after the devastating knee injury uh, that he sustained while he was on the Minnesota Vikings out of practice. Next on the list, Patrick Sertan sticking with the Broncos. Chest injury, he's questionable. Uh, all of the things that I've seen so far via social media and the internet have told me that everything looks good for him so far. No setbacks. Uh, the chest injury MRI uh, was negative for any broken bones in there. 
Uh, there's nothing broken in there, so I'm hoping he comes back. One of the good rookie defensive players so far this season. Uh, great in coverage, has had a lot of passes defensed. Uh, one pick so far, which is good for a rookie season. I love Patrick Sertan. I loved his dad uh, watching him when I was younger. Probably maybe in my between maybe I was like not nah, between nine and twelve when he played. Uh, I liked him. His his son looks very good. He looks very promising. Uh, had a pick six in the preseason game against the Vikings. I think it was like the second pass of the of the preseason week one. So I like the way he looks. Don't want to see rookies go through this. Uh, could destroy their career and possibly get them paid millions of dollars less than what they should be paid based on their injury status. So uh, really hoping the best for Patrick Sertan. Hoping he can come back and play this week. Next on the list, Jimmy Garoppolo, the San Francisco quarterback. He has a calf contusion. Very confusing. Kyle Shanahan, when he gives updates on injuries, is very weird with his wording. So at the beginning of the 10-minute video I watched, he said he was doubtful. And then at the, by the end of the video, he mentioned multiple weeks. So I've seen only positive things since then. I watched that video, I think, on Tuesday. It's now Thursday. So I've seen positive things for Jimmy G. Now, what I think should happen and what is going to happen are two totally different things. I think Jimmy G should have been on the bench to begin the season. He's not even as good as Kirk Cousins, to be honest with you. He's good in. He's not good out of the shotgun. So he basically has to do play action or five-step drop, and he gets hurt easily, which is where most quarterbacks get hurt on a five-step drop. Uh, I don't think he should start regardless. So doubtful slash one to three weeks is what I'm seeing. So I, honestly, I'm thinking my best opinion is saying that Trey Lance starts this week. I don't think that there's any other option for them. Um, because Jimmy's not going to be 100%, and Jimmy not 100% already makes Trey Lance better than him. Now, Trey Lance has been getting a lot of negative press for his release of the football and how long it takes. He'll figure it out. Let him play football games, and he'll figure it out. He gets sacked a few times because his arm, his, his circle that he creates when he tries to throw the ball takes too long. He'll figure out how to stop it, or he'll keep continuing to get hit. Uh, they're human beings. They're not stupid. Like, I, I don't understand. People make it seem like quarterbacks don't understand where they're flawed. What do you think practice is for? I, I just don't. That's, that's what practice is for. Muscle memory. Create a new muscle memory and keep working on it and th through practice and you'll be good. He'll be fine. Trey Lance will be, a, be perfect. Don't worry about it if you're a 49ers fan. However, what you should worry about is Trent Williams, who walked off the field during the game. I uh, was actually watching that game for a few minutes um, of the game, so probably had it on for about a half hour. And Trent Williams came off the field holding his arm like it was limp, like it was dislocated. Um, it is not, but it is uh, a shoulder strain. He will be out one to three weeks slash, uh, once again, Kyle Shanahan doubtful this week. I won't count anything out is what he says, which is why I put doubtful. Listen, I don't think Trent Williams is going to play. Uh, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy either. And I don't think it's smart to start your premier offensive tackle that you just paid a hundred over $100 million when he's not 100%. Nor should you chance getting Jimmy G more hurt when you could trade him for a lot of money 
and or draft picks. Sorry, I guess not money, but you could unload a lot of money from your cap and not pay him next year, not resign him or what have you. It's just don't play him. I'm just I'm talking to the San Francisco staff right now. Don't play him. But you guys keep a, keep an eye on the injury report. I I don't think that there's a chance that both of them play. I don't even think either of them are going to play. So keep an eye on it moving forward. Um, and if I see anything different for our for our uh, preview episode for Week Five that's going to come out either tomorrow or Saturday, I'll give an update on both on any of these um, injuries that I've seen and and if there's a positive positive turn or negative turn on any of them. Next on the list, Jair Alexander. We talked about the NFC North. Shoulder injury. He's going to be out for a while. They think it's an AC joint injury, um, which uh, I think the AC joint injuries, if I'm not mistaken, come in three levels, uh, A, B, or C, if I'm not mistaken. They could have changed it uh, since I had a sports, um, a medical sports class at Kutztown that I took back when I was there, I think in like 2014, 2015. Honestly, we like week one of the injury is almost impossible. You could come back two or three for level one. Level two is like five or six. Um, and then level three, I think, requires surgery. So he'd probably be out for the year if it's a, uh, a huge issue with the AC joint. Jair Alexander is keeping the Green Bay Packers defense legitimate. Preston Smith is dinged up. Zadarius Smith is dinged up. They got Jalen Smith because they have no linebackers that are solid. The Green Bay defense is becoming a joke, and it's sad uh, because now Aaron Rodgers is going to have to work even harder. What a shame. Moving forward, Will Fuller comes back after his suspension and then breaks his finger. I don't know exactly which finger, but they placed him on IR, so he will be out at least three weeks uh, because of the new IR, meaning they need to be out at least three weeks. It's a shame that offense needs as much as they can get based on the fact of the production they're getting from Jacoby Brissett. Um, Not that they would have probably gotten more from Tua, but the possibility was higher, I'll tell you that. Uh, so we'll keep an eye. He's going to be out three weeks, Will Fuller. I know a lot of people probably stashed him in fantasy on their IR. Uh, for the suspension, uh, wanted to bring him back, keep him on the IR. Uh, when he comes back and Tua eventually comes back, I think Will Fuller's going to be a force to be reckoned with, uh, especially since I think Miami's going to be in a lot more pass-friendly games than a lot of people expect uh, from now until the end of the season. Next on the list, Byron Jones, also from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he's got a quad injury. He's day-to-day. The Dolphins can't buy a break. Uh, Every time I turn around, I see one of their playmakers getting hurt um, or traded uh, because they lost. uh, They lost Grant. Uh, He was the the special teams kick returner, punt returner, uh, fourth wide receiver, plays the slot, ran the the dirty routes over the middle, uh, the speedster. Uh, Byron Jones is a big deal. Uh, especially if Xavier Howard's going to be on an island by himself back there uh, and they don't have anybody to step into his his spot. Uh, Keep an eye on Byron Jones day to day. Uh, We'll see if he's able to go this week, but they're saying if he can't go this week, he should be fully ready after sitting out this week to go next week and play. 
Next on the list, I witnessed this live. Uh, Jedrick Wills for the Cleveland Browns against the Vikings. Uh, ankle injury, tried to run off the field, collapsed because uh, he couldn't put any more weight on his ankle. Uh, he's going to be week to week. Uh, his backup is also hurt. Uh, so they have um, a guy with the last name Hudson. Not sure exactly who he is, uh, but the... The Browns did not seem very successful with him on the field considering we had multiple sacks and multiple pressures on the quarterback after he exited. Sorry, after well after Wills exited and that guy replaced him, Hudson. Um, it, Baker Mayfield needs his offensive line. Uh, they did not look very promising against the Vikings. We got a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he threw a lot. and We weren't directly in his face. Uh, on a on an every down basis. However, we put enough hurry on him to make him throw balls that were nowhere near Odell Beckham Jr., who was open on at least four routes that he overthrew him. Um, and he was also 15 of like 36. Uh, so he was barely over 33% completion percentage. So they, they're going to have problems moving forward if they cannot get him back and Baker cannot get protected because... The Vikings' defensive line has not been the best in terms of hurrying the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, or sacking the quarterback. However, they looked like a professional defensive front um, against them, against Cleveland Browns last week. Next on the list, Amari Cooper. I This is the second Amari Cooper injury that I didn't see uh, while I was actually watching games live. Um, he had a hamstring. He's questionable. He also played this past week with fractured ribs, uh, which Tua sat out for. So I don't really know why Amari Cooper's injuries are not getting reported like everything else. Uh, maybe it's just a coincidence that I didn't see about see this um, when it happened. But Cooper cannot keep getting dinged up. He said as long as he can run, he can play on Twitter. He said as long as he can run, he can play. That is, not, I don't think that's how, how hamstring injuries work, uh, but we'll, I guess we'll take his word for it until something else happens. Next on the list, another hamstring, Jabril Peppers, safety for the New York Giants. He's out at least a week. Uh, the hamstring wasn't really a, what word do I want to use to describe it? A minor tweak. His injury was a little bit more than a minor tweak, so the Giants are going to hold him out at least a week, uh, and they're going to rehab him hard going into the following week. Uh, there's no reason to put Jabril out there if he's not 100%. Their team right now looks like they're in shambles. I I would not risk putting him out there anyway. Uh, I wouldn't. So Jabril's going to be out this week. Hopefully he comes back the following week. Next, very big injury here, especially with the upcoming game. Matt Milano, the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl caliber. If he didn't make the Pro Bowl last year, he should have. For the Buffalo Bills, the middle linebacker, Matt Milano, hamstring day-to-day. Uh, looks Doesn't look promising. They labeled him this week. Sean McDermott did as questionable. So we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. That game against the Chiefs, you've got the Buffalo Bills offense against the terrible Kansas City Chiefs defense, and then you've got the Kansas City Chiefs offense with now with Josh Gordon against the Buffalo Bills. Um, there is no possible way that that game doesn't have at least seventy points in it. If they're the highest possible alter, 
this is usually our best bets. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to throw one out there now if you guys want to get ahead of it, ahead of the, the either podcast that I'm going to put out tomorrow or Saturday. But if you guys want to get ahead of it, if you could take an alternate over-under, take the highest one possible, the closest probably to 80. I can see this game being 48 to 45. That's like 93. I can see it. I can see it happening. The Bills look like crap put up 40 points. Now against crappier teams, overall crappier teams, crappier defenses to be specific, but I can definitely see that going. It's going to be in the 20s at halftime, at least. At least. All right, next, sticking with Buffalo, Jordan Poyer, one of their star corners. Uh, Ankle injury, he's also day-to-day. Poyer looks worse than Matt Milano, so both of them are pretty sketchy slash questionable to play this week. If they're missing both, then Tredavious White's going to be on an island, uh, which is never good when you have a good secondary complementary corner to go with the star amazing corner that your team has they both can't miss this game or the bills are in trouble and i've already placed bets going towards the bills side plus the points which we will go into later but they both can't miss i hope they both don't miss and they recover i hate seeing injuries anywhere in the nfl honestly even if they play for a team i dislike like the packers the cowboys the eagles i don't care the patriots even if it's a team I dislike, I, I don't want to see people hurt. It, it just it takes away from the game itself. And that game could be a tiebreaker for another game that gets a seed. And it just it messes everything up. So I don't like I don't like people getting injured. I want the best teams to play their best players for the best game possible. Just because I enjoy the sport and I enjoy the competition of the sport. And you can't play the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. It just—it's not—it's not right. It's just not the—it's not the same. You, whether it be, I think it was Brett Hundley who came in and played for them when Anthony Barr a few years ago broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. The Vikings won the division. It's—it just—it wasn't the same. It's not the same. So I don't want injuries. I don't want this crap. Uh, because it makes for a better football game, regardless of if it's a team you like or it's a team you don't like. Last on the list, the, the two Minnesota players that caused the biggest concern for this week, Dalvin Cook taken out last week with the with the injured ankle. He's been dealing with this ankle problem for weeks now. Uh, they just started talking about it before the game last week, which was week four. He said he dinged this up like in the practice week before week two. Um, and nobody really saw it as an issue, and he was rehabbing it, and it felt good. He's just had a few setbacks in the games uh, he's questionable to play, has not had a setback as of yesterday night at 10 p.m. Uh, via his uh, post uh, to the Vikings media, the Minnesota Vikings media, saying he has not had a setback. He does not feel worse, um, and he's continuing to rehab and starting to feel better. So uh, good good for Dalvin Cook. Now, need once again. Uh, I had a lot of people send me text messages, not necessarily people who listen to the podcast, but my friends from from home, from college that are into fantasy football that drafted him in fantasy football. I told them to keep an eye on the injury report because the Vikings do something weird every week and they release Dalvin playing or not playing like 
an hour before kickoff, which in on the Eastern Standard Time is 1 p.m. By like 12, between 12 and 12.15, they'll say he's a go or not a go. Uh, so I was sending out text messages galore uh, for people I know who had him that he was going to start last week. Probably shouldn't have said that since he didn't really do anything. Uh, I think he got like six points total because he was out uh, for probably two and a half quarters of the game. He, he was out in the second beginning of the second quarter, came back in the fourth quarter. So keep an eye on Dalvin Cook if you have him in fantasy, which is the moral of this story. My more concerning news is Michael Pierce, our nose tackle, who's been probably one of our – actually, with Daniil Hunter being a solid player um, at defensive end, um, Michael Pierce just as solid at nose tackle. He's dealing with an elbow injury. He's having an MRI. I cannot find anything on this guy's MRI on the internet or social media on what happened. Um, he is doubtful upon the MRI from Mike Zimmer after his – uh, press conference. I think it was Wednesday afternoon. So yesterday afternoon, I cannot find any information on, on Michael Pierce's MRI or is he going to play? Uh, but the Vikings went out and signed, uh, the player he played next to as a defensive tackle at, I believe Arkansas or was it old miss either Arkansas or old miss. I can't remember exactly, but if Michael Pierce doesn't play, we're in pro we're in trouble. Now, the good thing is we did sign Dalvin Tomlinson from the Giants. He will be able to step into a nose tackle position if needed. Uh, but Mike Zimmer says that he's not going to do that. And Michael Pierce is um, not – if he doesn't play, Dalvin Tomlinson will stay at defensive tackle, which makes no sense to me. Uh, it's like saying that somebody's going to be in the Olympics for gymnastics. However, they're normally – in the Olympics for curling, they're just taking somebody's spot. It makes no sense, but I just I, – this team is once again going to – I don't know. I, the Vikings have always been a stressful part of my life, yet a bit huge part. So as I sit in my man cave surrounded by purple and yellow, I hope for the best against, yes, the Lions this week. All right, that's most of the injuries. Like I said, for most of these, keep an eye on them. Go on ESPN, check the injury reports. See if they're updated. Uh, you can see them after practices, um, at their updates, whether they're full participation limited or they put, could possibly even have updates, whether they're in, out, progress made. Just keep an eye on it for your favorite team, your fantasy team players. Uh, and any other players you're following, honestly. But let's hop right into the fantasy segment. So every Tyreek Hill owner, you finally got your, your answer from Tyreek Hill last week in fantasy. I scored 157 points, I think, and lost uh, because Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams decided not to show up to football games. Uh, and I left a lot on the bench. But I got a, a few players here. Uh, for likes and dislikes, uh, we'll go over them real quick, give you guys like what I think about each one. Uh, number one, we're going to go through the likes first. Uh, James Robinson, Tennessee just gave up 27 points to the Jets. Uh, the Jets are terrible, and James Robinson's f starting to find his mojo, and he's getting more carries and more targets out of the backfield uh, since he became more of a deal uh, since week two. I think he has a good game against Tennessee because their defense is atrocious. So I don't think there's a chance in hell that James Robinson has a bad game. He's going to have at least a decent game. 
the London game, Calvin Ridley at technically uh, the New York. I, I don't remember if the Jets or the Falcons are technically the home team. Doesn't matter. They're both playing away. But Calvin Ridley against the Jets. Uh, he's been he's had a subpar start to the season, as has his entire team so far in the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they showed a lot of offensive life against the Washington football team, which isn't saying much considering their defense this year is probably bottom five. Uh, but keep an eye on Calvin Ridley. Definitely a must start this week against the Jets. I have no idea who any of their corners are, and I can guarantee you that none of them can cover Calvin Ridley. Next on the list, um, uh, Alvin Kamara um, at the Washington football team. Listen, Alvin Kamara's had some subpar games so far, uh, but he's always going to get the amount of touches. Uh, and the Washington football team, like I just mentioned two seconds ago, they have struggled on defense. And if their front starts to play and Alvin Kamara cannot run the football between the tackles or run the football in general – they're going to throw screens galore to get some of that pressure from that front away from Taylor Heineke. So there is no choice but for Alvin Kamara to either destroy it via the pass, uh, catching out of the backfield, running small routes, what have you, or being able to do run the ball or be able to do both. So Alvin Kamara, definitely a must start, if not Ever, always a must start, uh, except for the time this season, which I can't remember which exact game it was. But he had eight carries for five yards, and I think no catches, which was the craziest thing I've ever seen for Alvin Kamara to have .5 points in fantasy for an entire game. Crazy. Next on the list, Debo Samuel at the Arizona Cardinals. Debo Samuel is the best wide receiver Right now in football, he has the most yards. He Debo gets open in places that I didn't even know existed to get open. I've never seen a wide receiver be more open in the middle of the field. He's clearly the best wide receiver on the on the 49ers. There's not a, a wide receiver that's better than him. So I don't understand how he's so open on some of these routes. And he doesn't even run deep routes down the sideline. All of his stuff is over the middle, whether they be seam routes, little little posts, uh, little outs. He just finds a way to get open, and he he's able to break tackles, and that's what you need, especially in fantasy. And the Arizona Cardinals defense is atrocious. They're going to give up 30. They're going to score 40. So hopefully when they give up 30, two of the touchdowns are to Debo Samuel. That's literally the easiest math question, math, math problem I can give you guys for starting him in fantasy. Next on the list, oh, I hate doing this, but I have to. Kirk Cousins at the Detroit Lions. Kirk Cousins has probably dealt with more BS in the media this week than anything I've ever seen. But the Lions secondary is a joke. Dalvin Cook's going to be dinged up. Their front, they they lost Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins went back to New England. They Michael Brockers is hurt. I cannot name another person on that defense. I literally cannot. I have no idea who the other people are on the defense. Running the football right now is going to work, but it's not going to be a shoot like a shootout. I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a decent day throwing the ball, even if they do get up early. The Vikings never get up early against Detroit ever. It doesn't matter. Even the 0-16 year, we were losing to the Lions in both games when they went 0-16, and we came back in the second half and won both games. One by, I think, 10, and the other by 5. I can't remember exactly, but 
It was the craziest thing I've seen in a while. Kirk's going to put up decent numbers this week um, because he's going to try and prove everybody wrong. And the defense not being as good is going to allow Kirk to do some of the things he wants to do. Um, So I'm 100% on Kirk Cousins' side this week. And honestly, as a Vikings fan and as an overall football fan about injuries, if Dalvin Cook's not 100%, sit him. Sit him on the sideline and let him rehab until he's 100% good. Because we can't be dealing with we being the Vikings. The Vikings cannot deal with, as a team and me as a fan, cannot deal with him getting hurt every other week or every game and missing multiple quarters in that game. Next on the list, Joe Burrow at Green Bay. I just went over Jair Alexander being out. Uh, They have a rookie, Eric Stokes. He looks okay through one week. He looks okay. Wasn't really on the field that often before last week after Jair got hurt. Joe Burrow's played well through the first four games, and him and Jamar Chase are on the on the same uh, same page, same wavelength. So people might key on Jamar Chase. Problem is they've got Higgins and they got Tyler Boyd. So and they got that big tight end uh, Uzoa Uzamoa. CJ is his first name. Listen, Joe Burrow is going to be set for success, and that game is going to go high scoring as well. Uh, which we will get into either in the next episode or later in this one. Got two more for likes. Stefan Diggs at Kansas City. I've, I've talked to exhaustion about how bad the Kansas City defense is. Stefan Diggs has not had a breakout game yet. Josh Allen's hearing some crap from the media about how he's not playing well, yet his team's winning by 35 every game. Josh Allen's going to come out on fire in this game. On fire. Josh Allen start. Guaranteed. I didn't even write him down on this list for likes. Josh Allen start, double dip with Stephon Diggs. Last on the list, DeAndre Hopkins at the 49ers or against the 49ers. Hopkins had a subpar week last week. Uh, He was not the most targeted wide receiver in that game, uh, nor was he close. Uh, Bounce back week this week against a San Francisco secondary that is skeptical at best. Josh Norman looks terrible. Uh, And Mosley has been hurt. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley's been hurt. Uh, And I don't honestly know. They have two rookies back there that don't look promising. So I don't trust the secondary of the San Francisco 49ers. And I think DeAndre Hopkins has a big game this week. All right, let's hop over to the dislikes. Uh, one of the running backs, I started the likes with one of the running backs I own in fantasy in James Robinson. I'm going to go against the another running back I own and start in Najee Harris. Uh, the Denver defense looks good. Najee has not looked good behind that subpar offensive line uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I don't expect much from Najee. Now you guys could end up with decent, decent points maybe if they he ends up getting targeted again like he did the one game 19 times out of the backfield via the pass in a PPR league you might it might work out but it doesn't look promising for Najee unless he has a few uh one or two yard TDs against the Denver Broncos which is a tall task next on the list we just went over at Dalvin Cook at Detroit he doesn't look healthy uh, it looks like he's going to see a lot less target share based on the way people are talking inside or near the Vikings organization. It's going to be a split 
or close to a split with Alexander Madison, regardless of his health, uh, until he's 100%. So I, I just don't like Dalvin Cook this week. I just don't. Um, if you guys, if you guys have to start him, you can start him, but be prepared to possibly take another subpar five to seven and a half point week from Dalvin Cook. Next on the list, Tyler Lockett at the LA Rams. Uh, Lockett's been hurt. He's been dinged up. Uh, I believe the announcer last week in the Seattle game said he was at about 50%. Uh, there's no way he goes from 50% to 100 this week, probably closer to 70%. Uh, and they're playing the LA Rams, so I, I see them targeting DK, a bigger physical wide receiver, more than targeting Tyler Lockett. Uh, you might be bailed out with a long touchdown pass if he does get loose uh, and there's some breakdown in the defense, but... I don't see much from Tyler Lockett this week. Next, Aaron Jones at Cincinnati, uh, or against Cincinnati. Uh, A.J. Dillon last week had more rushing yards and the same amount of carries uh, that Aaron Jones did. So I'm seeing a split starting to happen, um, and I'm trying to prepare you guys now for it. They weren't up by a lot on on Pittsburgh. Uh, they were up by maybe, I think it was 13 at one point, which doesn't really necessarily tell you to run the ball that often, especially with your running back, your second string running back. So I think there's going to be more of a split now uh, with Aaron Jones taking more passing-friendly downs versus A.J. Dillon taking more run-friendly downs. So I do not... I do not think that Aaron Jones is a good start at Cincinnati. Now, once again, just like Dalvin Cook, if you have to start him, just prepare to get average to below average points from him. Russell Wilson at the Rams. I don't think that he has as good of a game as people are saying he's going to have. Now, Russell's going to have a decent amount of points. Um, and I did hear a podcast earlier that was uh, doing multiple betting odds for some player props in that game. Um, we'll go over some of those later because I don't believe in most of them. Um, so we'll talk about those in our preview segment for week five, uh, for bets, but I don't think Russell has a good, as good of a game as people think that he's going to have, uh, Aaron Donald in the middle, uh, Jalen Ramsey kind of patrolling the back end. They got a lot of young corners that are performing well, as long as they're as well as their linebackers. I mean, so not expecting much from him, as well as the next person on my list, Baker Mayfield, looked terrible against the Vikings. Uh, he's not going to look better against the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers defense is twice as good as the Vikings defense. Uh, Baker didn't look good last week. He's missing Jedrick Wills. He's probably not going to play. I don't see much happening with Baker. If you're going to go anything in terms of the Cleveland Browns, take their running backs. Don't take their don't take their their quarterback or most of their wide receivers. I saw a lot of people start Odell Beckham last week. I knew that was a bad idea. So, and I wouldn't have started him last week even if he did come back. So, don't just stay away from Baker this week. Last on the list, Kenny Galladay uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we got basically this is like an injury force for me. Uh, Kenny Galladay's been hurt but performed well last week uh, with Sterling Shepard getting injured uh, as well as Darius Slayton. They both look like they're still going to be a little dinged up. I don't think they come back 100% this week, which means Kenny Galladay, the bigger, more physical wide receiver, um, is going to be – I mean, he's he's going to be he's going to be the most tar targeted wide receiver, I think, this week. Um, Trayvon Diggs may or may not play. He's dinged up. 
So if Kenny Galladay can get on somebody who's not Trayvon Diggs, I think he'll be fine. And I don't think Trayvon Diggs can continue playing the way that the clip he's playing. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Those that ends the dislikes. That's the likes and dislikes this week. Uh, good job to everybody who won uh, in their fantasy leagues, and good luck to everybody this week. Uh, my team is currently one and three. Uh, not having a good start, although I just keep getting out. My my team isn't bad. I just keep getting outplayed by a little. So I'm in um, ninth place out of 10. So hopefully we can have a good comeback. Uh, nobody's undefeated. So uh, I still stand a chance in my fantasy league. All right. I said I had a special segment for you guys. Uh, we're going to go through it. We're going to go relatively quick, but we're going to do call. We're going to do the, the segment called the quarter awards. We're a quarter away through the season when it was 16 games. Guess what? We're rounding up. There's 17 games now, so we're basically a quarter of the way through the season. Um, we're going to do – I have two players uh, for defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and comeback player of the year, and then one player each for um, defensive rookie of the year and offensive rookie of the year. We're going to run through them, um, and I'm going to give you my ideas and why I believe these players should win. So there's two options for each one. I'll let you guys decide uh, which one you would pick out of the two, but I got two for each one. So first we're going to do defensive player of the year through four weeks. Trayvon Diggs, five interceptions in four games. Uh, last year, this guy uh, did not look good, did not look like he could play uh, and perform on a on an NFL level, was getting beat on the double move, did a lot of work on the offseason. At this clip, he would have 20 interceptions or a little over 20 interceptions in a season. That is not going to happen. Um, and that sounds like some of the people I was hearing on the internet after week one when Chandler Jones, the defensive end and or linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals, had five sacks in one game. People were saying he was going to have 85, 75 sacks. Absolutely ridiculous. But Trayvon Diggs had a good start to the season. He might be a little dinged up right now. Seems pretty probable he's going to come back and play this week. Uh, so let's see how he plays against the New York Giants, which is a big divisional game for the Cowboys to stay ahead in that division. The other defensive player that I have nominated for Defensive Player of the Year is Miles Garrett. Six sacks through four weeks. I've witnessed not only last week against the Vikings, but also against the Chiefs um, and whoever they played in week three, not specifically remember, but I remember flipping through uh, the games on the NFL Sunday ticket uh, and or at the bar where I was watching the football games. Uh, Miles Garrett has beat three triple teams and gotten to the quarterback in three different games. That has never happened in this history of the NFL. Now, PFF and all the stuff we can go next-gen stats and all this stuff uh, that we have now that we didn't have maybe in the late 90s, middle of 2000s, or maybe even the early 2010s, Miles Garrett is a force to be reckoned with. I saw him standing in a picture next to Daniil Hunter when they jersey swapped last week after the game, after the Vikings played the Browns, Daniil Hunter and Miles Garrett jersey swapped. That man is huge. He is a giant human being. This guy beat a guard, a tight end, and a tackle and sacked Kirk Cousins in less than four seconds. That's unbelievable. That's literally, it's literally unbelievable. Uh, he's unbelievable. Uh, that's literally what I had to say for the rest of Miles Garrett. Unbelievable. Moving on. 
Offensive player of the year. I have two. Like I said before, I have two options. Debo Samuel, 490 yards receiving through four games. Three touchdowns. He's got 270 yards of after the catch. The second place, he's leading in yards after the catch with 270 yards. The second place person has 77 less, and that's Cooper Cup. Unbelievable. I mentioned about Debo during the fantasy football segment. Listen, Debo Samuel is a monster after the catch. The man is swift. He's small, but he's swift. He gets around. He gets around defenders. He makes them miss. He goes deep, and he takes catches that were supposed to be 10 yards and makes them 30. He takes negative two-yard catches that makes him 20. This guy is is a, a major deal, and I wish I would have drafted him to my fantasy team thinking he was going to have this type of beginning to the season because I had no idea he was going to be this good. All right, moving on to our rookie of the year is one each. Offensive rookie of the year, we got Jamar Chase, second in touchdowns with four, fifth in average Yards per reception with 17.5 and 14th in yards with 297. That's pretty impressive for a rookie. Now, especially since everybody during the preseason was saying he couldn't catch uh, and he was dropping balls and he was going to be a terrible bust and all this other crap. Listen to this, right? So second in touchdowns, that's good, right? Average yards per catch. 17.5, he's fifth, he's top five, that's good. 14th in yards, you think, that's a little subpar. For a rookie, no, but look at the three names that I saw on this list that are behind him. Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, and Calvin Ridley are all behind him in yards. That's impressive for a rookie. That's extremely impressive for a rookie which is why I make him my offensive rookie of the year so far. Yeah, I've through five through four weeks. Now obviously this is all going to change. Uh but I'm tr- hoping to do a few more of these segments as we get to half, maybe three quarters and then the end of the season uh for for all these, but th- th- Jamar Chase is no joke. He is no joke at all. Now a lot of other people are picking him. Um some other people are picking they have a bunch of names out there. Uh but I like Jamar and and I like the way he runs routes, and I like the chemistry he has with Burrow. I think he has no choice but to succeed. No choice. Next, defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to turn some heads on this one. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the former linebacker of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, playing for the Cleveland Browns. He's the highest-graded PFF rookie on defense this season with 86.6 points out of uh, the graded for PFF. This dude is small, and he acts like he's huge. I watched him multiple times dive directly through multiple offensive lineman blocks and tackle my running backs in the backfield last week when Cleveland played the Vikings. Unbelievable, this guy. This guy makes plays all over the field, and he can play safety too. He's almost like Jamal Adams, uh, similar to Jamal Adams, similar to Jeremy Chin, a more physical uh, safety, really. That's not really a good cover guy, but can pretty much do anything else. I like Awusu Koromoa, and he's got the coolest name in football. Let's be real. They call him Jock, J-O-K, Jeremiah Awusu Koromoa for Defensive Rookie of the Year. 
and the last award, Comeback Player of the Year, two quarterbacks. You guys can probably guess which ones they are. Number one, Dak Prescott. Ten touchdowns, two picks. Looks very efficient. The run game looks very good. Dak looks amazing coming off that ankle reconstruction surgery in which he missed, I think, yeah, he missed three quarters of the season last year. I think he was hurt in week four, missed the whole season, came back, said that he might not start the season in training camp. He did. Uh, rehab went well. He looks good through four weeks. Dak looks really good, and, and it takes a lot for me to give compliments to Dallas Cowboy players. I love Dak, though. Love Dak as a quarterback. think he's a good player. I think a lot of people underrate him, whereas he should be more rated very very high compared to what people are saying about him in terms of how he looks on the run, how he performs in pressure, under pressure, and and what have you. He's way better than people are saying, and I love Dak. I'm hoping he has has a more successful season moving forward than he's already having now. And the second quarterback, comeback player of the year, it's got to be Joe Burrow. Comes in, uh, has the best college season at LSU ever in the history of college football. Comes in, plays ten games, it starts to starts to heat up, and then has a devastating ACL injury. Uh, keeps him out. He rehabs. It gets back for Week One this year. And the Cincinnati Bengals are tied for the lead in the division in the AFC North. What? The Bengals are three and one. What? <laughs> Nobody could have saw this coming. Uh, you, I encourage you guys to go back in the feed and listen to my AFC North uh, projected divisional recap and see what I had the Bengals going this season. Go back and somebody leave me a comment as to what I said because I can almost guarantee you I had them going like 4-13 and 13 or 5-12 and 12, and they already have three wins through four games. The offense looks good. Joe Mixon looks good. The defense looks solid. All things that I thought would not be anywhere close to successful I thought their secondary would be absolutely awful their offensive line wouldn't be able to protect Burrow and Joe Mixon would have a a worse year than he had the previous year and all of that is not true it's unbelievable how good he's playing and honestly I would probably vote Joe Burrow with nine TDs four picks over Dak Prescott through four games so I would pick Trayvon Diggs for defensive player of the year over Miles Garrett I would pick Debo Samuel for Offensive Player of the Year. I would pick Joe Burrow over Dak Prescott. Those are my picks through four weeks. We are will we definitely will do this again. We definitely will do this again. All right, everybody. That will be the end of the injury fantasy football news and the special quarter awards segment. Uh, or episode of the All in Man Cave podcast. Thank you so much for listening wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Amazon Music, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. Please just tell a friend, anybody you think that would like the podcast, uh, let them know uh, all about me, uh, all about the podcast, and tell them to listen. Uh, trying to grow the crop, the podcast as much as I possibly can um, from now until forever. So uh, thank you guys so much. I will be back. Like I said, mentioned multiple times, uh, I'll have an episode for you guys previewing the week five football slate. 
uh, either coming out tomorrow afternoon slash night or Saturday morning slash afternoon, uh, depending on where you guys listen to podcasts and how long it takes for them to upload it uh, after I submit it. Uh, so hopefully tomorrow, uh, come home and get it done. Don't know for sure. Might have some stuff to get done. So uh, either going to be Friday, like I said, Friday night or Saturday morning uh, that the podcast will be uploaded. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, hope you guys enjoy a good Thursday night slate. Um, and like I always do before I leave, I'll give you guys a few bets to look forward to. We've got Seattle and the LA Rams tonight. Uh, a couple bets that I uh, project to be almost automatic winners. I'm going to take Russell Wilson over 24 and a half completions. Also, I will go with Cooper Cup over six receptions. And I will also go with Robert Woods under 60 and a half yards in this game. So those three bets, uh, I guarantee, almost guarantee winners. Uh, once again, Russell Wilson over 24 and a half completions. Cooper Cup over six receptions. And Robert Woods under 60 and a half yards. So I hope you guys take those bets. I will definitely be doing so because I will never advise you to do something that I wouldn't do. So good luck uh, for all you Seattle and L.A. Rams fans. Good luck to you guys as well tonight. Um, and until next time, everybody have a good day. And like I always say, peace.